Well, God bless you, church. Uh, I think I'm ready to to do this. Uh, you know, this is brand new, so we're gonna find out if it's good, it's God, and if it's not good, is is probably my fault. So that's that's how I'm gonna preface this. But uh, I do have a message tonight, and I really do believe that it's gonna help could probably help every single one of us it's a, it's a topic or an idea or a thought that that comes up often uh, in when I'm teaching new life classes and sometimes I, I talk to students one-on-one -on -one and they they have questions they don't really want to ask in front of the class but um, this is one that kind of comes up repeatedly and I dug in to this because I want to I want to give a better answer than the one I've been giving which was a good answer but I think I have a better answer for it today so what I'm going to talk about tonight is God's perfection. God's perfection. It may not seem like it's going down that road, but it's going to be down that road. Um, I'm going to start off by saying there's many, there are many, many biblical references to those pleasing to God as being perfect in the Bible. Did anybody know that? That they, the Bible refers to be, people being per, human beings. Job, for instance. Noah, Asa, he referred to Nathaniel as having no guile. Zacharias and Elizabeth were blameless. Many, many more examples I can go on and, and, and share with you. But I'm not going to um, go down that, that road, but I, I do want to talk about God's perfection. And when God or his word is talking about perfection, it's not always, it doesn't always mean what we think it means in our, in our simple human minds. Uh, it, do, it doesn't always mean that. Sometimes it does, but many other times it doesn't necessarily mean that. And I want to I wanna show some things, what, what God can be talking about when he's asking us to become perfect and many different instances. Perfection is something that we think of as unattainable. Some would say, why even try? It's impossible, right? I mean, I can never be perfect. You can never be perfect. I know that. <laughs> That's a joke. But certainly, I mean, I, I know. It's impossible. We, we can't do it. So why do we even try, right? That's, is that sometimes what we hear from even like mostly our beginners, the babies in the faith? They have a hard time reconciling. How can I be this Christian that doesn't sin? And that's the only way they view Christian Christians and Christianity as, as people that are without sin. But we know that there's none that are without sin. We need God. God's the key. God is the key. If you want to open your Bibles, I'm going to, I'm going to read from 1 Kings verses 8 and 61. 1 Kings 8 and 61. Only God was perfect and without sin. Only God. This is true. I want you to know it. This is true. Let me read this scripture before I get carried away already. Uh, it reads this way. It says, Let your heart, therefore, be perfect with the Lord our God, to walk in his statutes and to keep his commandments 
as at this day. Let your heart be perfect. Well, I know me as a person, there's no way I could be perfect. Because if you ask me to draw you a picture or a painting, you may be seated, I'm sorry. If you ask me to draw you a picture or a painting, you're not going to get perfection. I am not an artiste. Uh, I don't draw, I don't paint. I do woodworking. That's my art. That's the way I express my art. But um, I couldn't draw, I mean, I couldn't draw stick figures, okay? So if, if, you're, if you're looking for perfection in that arena with me, it's not going to happen. Uh, perfection is not necessarily talking about everything we do being perfect and, and completely without sin. Uh, there's many different examples. Let your heart, therefore, be perfect. Can my heart be perfect? That's a good question. Have we asked ourselves that? Can my heart be perfect? I, th I think that's a possibility. That's saying, can your, can your intentions be perfect? Can your thoughts be perfect and righteous and good? And that's, that's where it, what it's really all about. That's where it all starts. It starts in, in your mind, in, in your heart. We have to understand that if we're going to strive perfe for perfection, if we're ever going to attain any kind of perfection, it's going to be in the spiritual realm. We're going uh, to strive for spiritual perfection. It's something that is ongoing and continuous. It's something that begins the day that we are either baptized in the water or baptized with the Holy Ghost. And sometimes it's, it's all the same time. That's when it begins. And it ends when we're called home to be with Jesus. So let your hearts be perfect. I think that's a little, sounds a little bit more attainable already. We're already kind of peeling away some of those layers of, of thought that say there's nothing I can do to be perfect. Your heart can be perfect. Your intentions can be perfect. Your thoughts can be perfect. And, and trust me, there's many who have been shown in the Bible uh, biblically that, that have attained that. Thou shalt be, excuse me, Deuteronomy 18 and 13 says this. Thou shalt be perfect with the Lord thy God. So now I've just talked about a couple different instances of the Bible is telling us to be perfect. But let me explain. The first one, if we look at that word perfect out of 1 Kings, the translation is close to at peace. To be perfect, let your heart be perfect. That means to be at peace. It's asking you to be at peace. It's not saying to be perfect, perfect, but to be at peace in a perfect peace, the peace that Jesus gives us. And now looking at Deuteronomy, thou shalt be perfect with the Lord thy God. This is the next key to everything right here. We can never be perfect on our own, but with the Lord our God, we are able to attain something that we could never attain in the worldly or our earthly selves. We, we, we could never attain that, but with God, with God, all things are possible. With God, we can be perfected. We can be, as it, as it shows in this scripture in Deuteronomy 18 and 13, it's saying, let thou shalt be perfect. It's saying, thou shalt be blameless with the Lord thy God. Because God gives us his, his forgiveness. He gives us forgiveness for any sin that we could even conceive of. His sin, or his, excuse me, his forgiveness is enough to forgive the entire world, let alone just me. And it's, it's more than enough, church. It's more than enough. It's never not going to be more than enough. It's always going to be more than enough. 
First Chronicles 28 and 9. I have a, I have a number of scriptures, but that's kind of my style. So First uh, Chronicles 28 and 9. And though Solomon my son, and thou, Solomon my son, know thou the God of thy father. His father was David. And serve him with what? With a perfect heart. There we go again, talking about a perfect heart. And with a willing mind. For the Lord searcheth all hearts and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. If thou seek him, he will be found of thee. But if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. With a perfect heart. This, this translation of perfect heart is translating to something that's more of a concerning, concerned heart or a caring heart to care for the people the way David cared for the people. That's what God is admonishing him, uh, to be caring or true or show concern for them. Um, it is Psalm 18.32, it is God that girdeth me with strength and maketh my way perfect. It's all God. If anything perfect ever happens in our life, it's because God was working in our midst. It's because God was working in us and through us. Right now, right here tonight, I'm trying to give you all this revelation that if we're to accomplish anything good or perfect in the sight of God, it's going to be by following his spirit and only with his help. That's the only way we're ever going to make it and make it in this world and be perfect in the eyes of the Lord. We need him. It's a it's a it's a teamwork. It's a it's a it's not just you. You you can't do it on your own. We need we need a savior. We need someone that is going to help us, show us the way. It is God that girdeth me with strength and maketh my way perfect. Psalm 37 and 37 says, Mark the perfect man and behold the upright, for the end of that man is peace. Is peace. And it's in this instance of the word being the perfect man, it's, it's considering that a blameless or a blameless man, somebody who's without sin, who has not harmed anyone, or who has not broken the commandments of the Lord. For the upright shall dwell in the land, and the perfect shall remain in it. Proverbs 22 and 21. Blameless. It's saying blameless. So that's a form of perfection. It is a form of perfection. But what we're going to see, and what we're going to start seeing, and what really kind of unfolded before me when I was doing studying all this, we're going to see a recurrence of, of certain themes when we talk about perfection and being perfected in the Lord. And, and, and one of those right now is that it has a lot to do with your heart more so than your actions because all of your actions, truthfully, they come from somewhere else. They don't, they don't do it on their own. This hand just doesn't just start flopping around all by itself because it won't. it's because something made this happen. So our actions are a result of our thoughts, and our actions are a result of what our heart has inside of it and what proceeds out of the heart. Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father, which is in heaven, is perfect. This is Matthew 5 and 48. Now this one right here, I will tell you, uh, when I look at the scripture, and before I really dug in a little bit, I said, okay, well, it's pretty plain. It says to be perfect, doesn't it? Isn't it? Does it say be perfect, Caleb? I don't know if we're on the right scripture or not, but 
it says to be perfect. Be ye perfect, even as your Father which in heaven is perfect. And we know already that that's impossible. So God, so we have to understand, God's not asking us to be perfect. He's asking us for something else. What else is he talking about? Well, the word here in the Greek is telios. And what it translates to is complete. To be complete. There, be ye therefore complete in God, even as your Father which in heaven is perfect. It's, it's a completeness in God that we're talking about. And that word telios comes up again with different meaning to it. It also uh, describes being complete in, in Christ, complete in him, and perfected in love. That's how we perfect our lives is through the love that we show. Perfected in Christ means accepting his word in love and obedience. If we accept God's word in love and obedience, we will follow God's word. And when we follow God's word, we're going to be led to perfection. We're going to be led to that lofty goal, that high goal that we all think is unattainable. But with God, it's not unattainable. We can do it. We can make it. Matthew 19, 21, Jesus said unto him, if thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast and give to the poor and thou shalt have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. This is Jesus talking to the rich young ruler. And he told him, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all that you have. So does that mean that we have to go and sell all that we have if we want to be perfect? Absolutely not. That's not what it's saying. But when you get into this, when you dig in a little bit, what we, what we learn or what we come to understand is that that rich young ruler, he, he was a righteous man. He was a good man. He didn't earn his, his, his money or his wealth by deceitfully or wrong. He, he did it the right way, and he, he did love God. But what we find out, that, but God knew his heart. God was, God was looking. God was peering into the inside of this man, and he saw what was the one thing that was holding him back from attaining that which he's asking for, and it was covetousness. Covetousness was this man's issue, and it was the issue being addressed by Jesus Christ. Um, and he desired those things, his possessions, more than the things of God. That was his downfall. He couldn't get rid of the possessions that he had worked so hard for, that he had, that he had given his earthly life and living to. But God knew if you could do that, you would be perfect in my eyes. You would be perfect. You could become perfect. So covetousness, there's many things that we see can, can keep us from that, from that perfect will of God. 1 John 2, 15 through 17, reads like this. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. We cannot be in love with these things of the world, church. If we're going to serve God, and if we're going to do it God's way, we have to get rid of that love of the world, the love of possessions, the love of things. The, it, it doesn't even have to be that. It could be, it could be the love of of popularity or status or or your 
title. Uh, it, it doesn't have to be simply uh, just things of the, like mo monetary things, okay? It can be many other things. Um, 1 Corinthians 2, 6 through 9 says this, Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect. Here we go again with the perfection. Yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the princes of this world that come to naught, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Now, when we read this scripture and they talk about how be it we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, it's talking about mature Christians. They have matured to a level of perfection. And, and I find we, we see in the word of God that we're going to be, there's some key words that we're going we're gonna to come across repeatedly. And one is, is maturity and becoming a mature Christian. There's it's the same word that was used earlier, the word teleos, but the meaning this, this time is different. It's meaning mature or maturity. So to be perfected in Christ, you have to have a level of maturity. We have to have a level of maturity. And I thought about this, and I wonder why is it that we have young people or children or loved ones that fall out of the church or they, you know, they stop coming to church. Does that mean that they're, they're never going to make it? No, absolutely not. It just means they lack wisdom. And, and young people, I'm here to tell you, you might think you got it all down. You might think that you know right from wrong and I can do it on my own. But I'm telling you right now, you got to have God in the equation. If you want to make it in this world, if you want to make it in this life, if you want to make it in any way, shape, or form, you have got to have God in that equation. And you, and you have to be obedient to the word of God. <clears throat> Wisdom, fruit, peace, and love are all th themes that I see emerging from the study of being perfected in Christ. Those sound like good things to me. Wisdom, that's good stuff. Uh, fruit, well, there's two kinds of fruit. You've got the good kind and you've got the bad kind. So obviously we're talking about the good kind. Peace, that's, that's kind of my, been my number one for a long time. I need it and I want it. And love, these are the things that God's really looking for in you. If you want to be perfect in God, you can focus on getting your wisdom in, this, in the word of God. H how well do you know the word of God? How well can you, can you come up with a scripture that's going to fit the appropriate time and place for whatever you're going through or a loved one's going through or another church member's going through? We need the word of God. This word of God is what's going to help us make it. This is what's going to help us get to where we need to be. I also want to take a moment to say this, that uh, it's interesting because uh, I had a gentleman mention something about this just before church tonight. I won't say who, but anyhow, uh, I also want to take a moment to say that we, we can see so much of God in his creation and in nature. There is peace and solitude to be found in nature, and we can see brief glimpses of God's perfection and greatness, and it can inspire us. It can inspire us to to, to desire more of God, to want to know the creator that made the world with, with just a word. He put the world in motion. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. When I look, if, it doesn't matter. If I'm just, you can, you can just be tending to a tree or a shrub 
and you can see perfection somehow in there. Uh, you can, it doesn't have to be absolutely perfect, but you can feel that God had a part to play in everything around us in this world. And it's important that we draw inspiration from, from things that are, that are around us in this world. 2 Corinthians 13 and 9 says, For we are glad when we are weak, and ye are strong. And this also we wish, even your perfection. This is speaking about the completeness in Christ, being complete in him. So there's a lot of things we're talking about that don't necessarily mean perfect in, in appearance or perfect in action or word or deed. But there's many types of perfection that God wants us to attain in our spiritual life, living for God and, and following his Holy Spirit that he gives us. Ephesians 4 and 11 through 13. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. For what? For the perfecting of the saints. For the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of of the fullness of Christ. If we look at this right here, this is a scripture that everybody is probably pretty familiar with. You've heard it before. Perfecting of the saints. That means it's, it's ongoing. It's, it's, we're, we're not done yet. It doesn't, matter, it doesn't matter if you're 10 or 110. As long as you're still breathing air and you're still on this earth, we have not attained that prize of the high calling of the God. And, and that, that will come when we are reunited with him. This, this word, uh, perfecting, in the Greek is uh, katartismo, katartismos. It's, uh, and I find this, this uh, definition very interesting because it was just very unexpected. But for the per think about this, the perfecting of the saints. Okay, this is what we're talking about. The way this word is used, it describes the straightening or setting of a joint or a broken bone in ancient medical text. It's corrective treatment. That's what we're talking about we're, for the perfecting of the saints, for the corrective treatment, for helping in healing them and putting them on the right path putting their life back together, putting those broken pieces, mending those pains, those hurts, the troubles, whatever it is in their life. It, it is a hospital. The, the church is a hospital, everyone. We're here to help each other. We're here to do good to one another. We're not here just to keep a pew warm and, and to, you know, enjoy the air conditioning, although that's okay. Uh, there's a lot more that God has for us. Philippians 1 and 10 says this, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. One of the other things that keeps reappearing is, is the idea or the concept of fruit. The concept of fruit, that's, that's what, what the word tells us, how we're going to know. If somebody is a servant of the Lord is by their fruit and that's by 
whatever their life produces. What is produced out of their life? And I'm not going to say if you have a child who is a bad kid and goes off. That, that's not the fruit that we're talking about. We're, we're talking about because th- that person produced their own fruit, and it wasn't good fruit. But if you produce good fruit, you're going to be producing things that can be seen by others. And, and, and people can identify that with you and with the fact that you are there to be a help, to be a strength to them that need it. When God speaks of fruit, he considers the fruit either good fruit or bad fruit. He doesn't expect the fruit to be perfect fruit. That's not in the Bible, church. Perfect fruit is not God's idea of a perfect Christian. He just wants it to be good. He wants your fruit to be good. And I think that's attainable. I think that's, that's something that if we're reaching and if we're looking into the mysteries of God and, and how it is that we can, we can transform to something better, to something on a higher level, it's, it's by being with God and, and following after his spirit. Um, I want to read this next scripture right here. This is Philippians 3 and 12 through 15. It says, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which I also am apprehended of, Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Jesus Christ. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. This is again referencing maturity, being a mature Christian. This is what we need to do. We need to find. We need to find that. We have to find our way in God, with God. I'm going to read Colossians 3, 12, and 14. I promise I won't just read scripture all night, but I I couldn't help myself. Uh, I think it's helpful. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on what? Put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. There it is, the theme of love. So what we need, we have to have love. If, we're gonna, if we have a chance at being perfect, if we have a chance at attaining perfection in the sight of God, love is going to be the key ingredient to everything we do. We can't, we can't go out into the world and, and, and treat everybody with malice and disdain and, and hurtful ways. It's, it's, it's not Christian. That's not the way Christ taught us. We're supposed to emulate the life of Christ. We, we need to follow Christ. He was a healer. He was a giver of life. He was, he was our high priest. Uh, we are here to seek and to save that which is lost just as our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ did. Philippians 4, 5 through 8. 
and I think this kind of sums up a lot of what we're talking about right now. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, the theme again, peace, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts. Look at this right here. It's going to keep your what? Your hearts. And what else? And your minds. This is the key area. This is the key thing. It will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. So I'm a lot closer to finishing up than anybody knows right here. But I'm going to tell you this right now. This is something that we need to understand. I, I'm telling you right now what God is looking at. He's not looking at did you, you know, shout a profanity at somebody. He, he looks at that. But that's not what he's really interested in looking at. He knows that we're fallible humans and we're going to say things that we don't necessarily want to say sometimes. He already knows that. What he's looking at is he's looking at your heart. He's looking at your mind. He's looking at your thoughts and your intents. He wants to know if you are following after his will. He wants to know if you are following after his word. He wants to know if you have a humble and contrite spirit. He wants to know if you have, if you have him uppermost in your mind above all other things. You have to do that. Um, I'm going to ask the musicians to come because I only have a, a little bit more to go. But uh, as they come, I'm going to continue to go. There's a concept or a, a saying, and, uh, and it goes, it's very simple, very short, and it's, I believe it's used in the medical field. I really didn't research it. It's just something I, I've heard. And it says, uh, it's very simple. It says, first, do no harm. Has anybody ever heard that expression before? First, do no harm. Somebody who has a doctor for a son. How about that? He lifted that. <laughs> that's, that's true. That is, that is something that, that's part of their principles, which they operate. They, they're not supposed to hurt people. They're not supposed to harm you. If the treatment is worse or if the cure is, is, is worse than the treatment or however that goes, then they don't do it because first is let's do no harm. You're, you don't want to make anybody worse. But in the kingdom of God, that concept still applies. We should do no harm. We should do no harm. We should be at peace with our fellow man. We should do things that are good and righteous and holy and all of that. But not only should we not do harm, we also have to do whatever good that we can do for all, for the furtherance of his kingdom. That's the thing, is that we don't just have a one-dimensional God. He's not just looking for us to not sin. I mean, if, if, if everything that we, we do in life is geared against not sinning, how can you live? That's not living. If, if everything you do is reactionary and everything you do is, I got to not sin, that, how can you live your life? 
You have, to, you have to go out and do good. That's what God wants you to do. It's not about just avoiding sin and staying away from sin. That's, that's, that's what you call a bench warmer or a bystander. That's not somebody who's, who's, who's working in the kingdom of God. That's somebody who's just watching and watching the, watching the world go by. We can't be that, church. We have to be more than that. We have to be something that's going to do good for others. We have to do something that's going to further the kingdom of God. We have to seek and save the lost. We have to, we have to transform our lives. We have to transform our heart and our minds into something different than what it was before we encountered Jesus. I'm going to read this one last scripture for you right here, and it's uh, Philippians 2 and 12 through, fif through 15. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have ob always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. If you're going to do good, it's not because of you. It's because of God. It's because of God, and it's only because of God. We need to understand that. We need to let God use us. We need to let God direct us. We need to let God lead us. We need to be sensitive to his spirit. We need to be discerning people. We need to be people who can, who can understand what is the right thing at that particular moment. Because life is going to throw some curveballs at you. Life is going to throw some, some difficult situations your way. But we just have to have a good, right, a, a good heart, a right heart, and our, keep our minds stayed on Jesus. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. I think this scripture couldn't be any more fitting for us today. And I, I believe, we were I was talking about it on the way into church, that this world... It's, let's, I'll just say prophecy is being fulfilled. And if you're awake, and if you are reading your word of God, you know what I'm talking about. Things could change tomorrow. The economy of the United States of America could collapse if our politicians, and I'm not talking about Dems or Republicans. I don't, I don't give a darn. I don't, I don't, it doesn't matter to me. If they keep going down the road they're going, prophecy is going to be fulfilled because if U.S. falls, the entire world is going to be right behind us. Let's stand across the sanctuary tonight. We don't know how much time we have, church. We really don't know how much time we have. But we need to be about our Father's business in these last days that we are living right now. 
We may never become perfect people in this world, in this body, but we will be perfect when we're united with him. And we can be perfect when we let his spirit use us and guide us and work in us. That is how we are perfected in Christ. So let me ask you a question. Can you be perfect? Not in the traditional sense. None of us can. But can you strive to be moral? I think all of us could say, yes, I can try to be a moral human being. I can try to be good, and do unto others as I would like done unto myself. Yeah, that's, that's morality. Can we be moral? Can we be sincere? Can we truly love God with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength? Can we do that? Yes, we can. Is it going to do it all by itself? No, it's not. We're going to have to work at it. This is something we're going to have to choose to do. Can we be righteous? Can we treat people good? Yes, we could do that. We may not be perfect, but we can, we can certainly try to be righteous. Can we be obedient? Yes, we can be obedient to the word of God. Whenever we're not obedient, we, we choose. We have a choice. God gave us the choice. He gave us a sovereign will. We can choose to follow him or not to follow him. Can we be wise? I guess that's a question for some of the youngsters here. I don't know. Uh, can, yes, they can be wise, but are we wise or re really are we going to be wise? Listen up, young men, young ladies. You need to be wise. You need, you need to hear the wisdom of your elders. You need to hear the wisdom of the word of God. We need this wisdom in our life. We need this wisdom to get us where God wants us to go. We can't do it without him, church. It's not going to happen all by itself. God wants us to do it. He wants us to work. He wants us to be wise. And the last thing I ask, can we be a loving people in the eyes of God? I think we can. One thing I can say, I've been around, I've been around the entire United States. I've been to almost all 50 states. I think I've been to like 46. Um, so, and I've been to a lot of them since I've actually been in church. And I've been to a lot of churches around the United States. And I've been to some overseas as well. But I, I'm talking about apostolic churches, apostolic Pentecostal churches, okay? Holiness churches, churches that are like us. I've been to these churches. And I can tell you one thing that impresses upon me more than anything else whenever I go into a house of God, an apostolic house of God, is that I can feel the love in that place. I can feel the love and the caring of the people in that place. That is the ultimate characteristic of a true Christian, that we love people, even people that harm us, even people that do us wrong. We have to have love. So the last question I have is, can we love? Can we love people? Can you love people? If you love God, you will 
love people. It's not a choice. It's just a, it's a foregone conclusion. If you have Jesus Christ in here, if you have the Holy Spirit in here, you are going to love people. You are going to care for people. You are going to help people, and you are going to do what's right in the sight of God. I don't have anything more to say. I just tell you, I, this was very simple. I know there was probably a lot of scripture, but I, I mean, I really feel like we have to understand that your job is not to chase perfection because you're never going to catch it. That's not our job. Our job is to do our part. Our job is to get our heart right, to get our mind right, and to show the love of God in all that we do. If you want to pray, let's pray right now. I, I just feel like God is speaking to us tonight. Jesus, I know. I know, Jesus, that when you spoke to me, God, I, you just you told me that there's people that are just wondering how can I do it? How can I, how can I make it, God? I don't, it, it just looks all so difficult. But I know right now, I, I know right now, God, that it's only with you. The bottom line is with you, God, with you. If you want to know how to, to live a Christian life, I'm going to tell you right now, it's with the Holy Ghost, church. It's with the Spirit of God upon your life. You need to have the Spirit of God in you, moving, working, doing, changing you. That's the key to doing this thing, to living this life. We need to have God's Spirit leading us, guiding us, directing us, speaking into your life. We need to seek after Him each and every day. We don't take days off as Christians, church. There are no days off. You're in this thing till the end. I'm in this thing till the end. We are in this thing until God calls us home. It's not about what I want. It's about what God wants. We have to be a good people pleasing to His sight. And we have no other standard that we need to be measuring up to but God's standard. We need Him, church. We need him so much. I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing right now. I thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing today in the hearts of your people. I pray that you can continue to do great things, God. You're moving in me. I am not the same as I used to be, God. I don't ever want to be the same as I used to be. I want to be more like you, Jesus. I want to be closer to you, my God. I want to feel your presence, Jesus. I want to know your voice, my God. There's so much. I don't want to dwell on the things of this world. There's too much, too much carnage. There's just, it's, 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 it's impossible to even think about where this world is heading. I just want to focus my life on you, God. I praise you and I worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah, my God. You are great and greatly to be praised. Take my feet, touch my heart, Lord, speak through me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. You can use anything, Lord, you can use me. You can use anything. Take my hands, Lord, take my feet. 
speak to me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. I'm seeking after you tonight, God. I want to start this journey with you, God. I need to have you directing me, God. I don't want to I don't want to wander around like a, like a boat without a rudder, a, a derelict on the ocean that just floats around to and fro, God. I want to be, I want to have direction, Jesus. You can use me, God. You can use me, Jesus. I, I surrender to your will, Jesus. Hallelujah, my God. Use me tonight. Use me tomorrow. Use me every day, Lord. anything, Lord, you can use me. You can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Lord, take my hands, Lord, take my feet. Touch my heart, Lord, speak to me. You can use anything, Lord, you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. You can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Oh, take my hands, Lord, take my feet. Touch my heart, Lord, speak through me. You can use anything, Lord, you can use if you can use anything, Lord, you can use me, Jesus. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Take my hands, Lord, take my feet, touch my 